where it would be a reminder of the greatest Achaean failure of our time. Yes, I can understand their vision. Wise old Priam smiled. What they failed to predict was that it can serve the same purpose outside the city. A hundred men cut and trimmed logs for rollers. Then another hundred gathered ropes, formed two lines, and began dragging their prize across the plain between the city and the sea. For most of the day, they sweated and hauled, more men taking their place on the ropes as they pulled the ungainly monstrosity up the slope leading to the citadel. Late in the afternoon, the effort ended, and the great effigy stood before the city's main gate. The populace emerged en masse, and for the first time in over two months, passed freely outside without fear of their enemy. The crowd stood and stared in awe at what was now called the Dardanian horse. Excited and jubilant that at last the seeming endless series of battles was over, the women and girls of the city went outside the walls and picked flowers for garlands to decorate the grotesque wooden creature. Peace and victory are ours, they cried joyously. But Priam's daughter, Cassandra, who was thought to be mentally unbalanced because of her dire predictions and foresight into future events, cried, Don't you see? It's a trick. The bearded priest, Laocoon, agreed. You are beguiled by rapture. You are fools to trust Achaeans offering gifts. Laocoon reeled back and with a mighty heave threw his spear into the belly of the horse. The spear pierced the wood up to its shaft and quivered. The crowd laughed at the crazy display of skepticism. Cassandra and Laocoon are mad. The monster is harmless. Nothing more than boards and logs tied together. Idiots, said Cassandra. Only a fool would believe Sinon the Achaean. A warrior stared her in the eyes. He says because it now belongs to Ilium, our city will never fall. He's lying. Can you not accept a blessing from the gods? Not if it came from the Achaeans, said Laocoon, pushing his way through the milling throng and striding angrily to the city. There was no reasoning with the happy mob. Their enemy was gone. To them, the war was over. Now was the time for celebration. The two skeptics were ignored in the euphoria that swept the crowd. Before an hour passed, their curiosity waned, and the people launched a great feast to celebrate their triumph over their Achaean foe. Music from flutes and pipes soared within the citadel walls. Song and dance swept every street. Wine flowed through the houses like streams down a mountain. Laughter rang as they lifted and drained their goblets. In the temples, the priests and priestesses burned incense, chanted and made offerings to the gods and goddesses in thanksgiving for ending the terrible conflict that had sent so many of their warriors to the underworld. The joyous people toasted their king and the heroes of their army, the veterans, the wounded, and the revered dead who had fought the brave fight. Hector, oh Hector, our great champion, if only you had lived to enjoy our glory. For nothing the Achaeans, the fools, attacked our magnificent city, shouted one woman as she whirled and danced wildly. Like chastened children they have fled, cried another. So they babbled as the wine coursed through their blood, the royalty in their palace, the rich in their large houses built on terraces, and the poor in their simple hovels huddled against the interior city walls for protection against wind and rain. 
They feasted throughout Ilium, drinking and eating the rest of their precious food supplies hoarded during the siege and making merry as if time had stopped. By midnight, the drunken orgy subsided and old King Priam's subjects fell into a deep sleep, their befogged minds at peace for the first time since the hated Achaeans had laid siege to their city. Many wanted to leave the great gate open as a symbol of victory, but saner minds prevailed, and the gate was closed and bolted. They had erupted out of the north and east ten weeks before, sailing across the green sea in hundreds of ships before landing in the bay surrounded by the great Ilium plain. Seeing much of the lowlands filled with swamps, the Achaeans set up their camp on a headland protruding into the sea and offloaded their fleet of ships. Because their keels were tarred, the hull...